And it should really be a tenet of democratic society that we should be allowed to alter our consciousness in any way we choose, as long as we don't uh, infringe the rights of others by doing that. So, of course, anybody who alters their consciousness by taking alcohol, which then removes their inhibitions and, and makes them violent or more likely to have uh, irresponsible sex, that would be a good reason, obviously, to ban a substance. But for most substances we're talking about here, we're talking about people uh, being made more peaceful and obviously substances which expand their minds, get them to look at things differently, perhaps get them to, to question things. So it's no um, surprise that the, many of these substances are in fact uh, illegal, even though, of course, they pose no threat um, to our health and, and no real threat to society in general. But of course, what they do pose a threat to is those people in authority who don't want us to uh, ask too many difficult questions, who really want us just to be microchipped, carrying our identity cards and uh, shopping at uh, Tesco's and Microsoft and so on. Anyway, on the programme today, I've got Christopher Bovey, who uh, sells a variety of legal highs and, and is involved in trying to challenge uh, the government's current ban on magic mushrooms. And Dr. Stephen Hopwood, who is registered with the General Medical Council, uh, and he'll have some views on uh, mainstream medicine and how, in fact, many of the things that, that seem to get legal approval, in fact, um, pose much more threat to our health um, than those which are banned. Anyway, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, start off with you, Chris. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what you do in terms of the stuff you sell and so on? Well, we sell um, marijuana seeds, um, obviously not for cultivation purposes. Because that would be illegal, yeah? No. Well, they could take them to Holland and grow them, of course. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, in England, we can sell you some very expensive um, budgie food or fishing bait <laughs> and some growing equipment to grow tomatoes indoors and a wide range of legal highs. Now, we used to sell uh, Philosopher's Stone truffles and magic mushrooms, and uh, we were selling... A hell of a lot of them actually and they were starting to be sold in just about every town in the country had at least one shop that was selling magic mushrooms uh, originally um, a home office civil service said that although they weren't going to officially endorse it as far as they were concerned they knew that mushrooms weren't particularly dangerous and um, if people were going to take stuff they would prefer that they were buying mushrooms from tax and vat registered shops than they were um, more dangerous chemical drugs on the black market. Um, however, it got to the attention of um, Downing Street and Mr. Blyer, who apparently gave the order to uh, make sure the trade was stopped. They originally did this bike. The old law said that mushrooms were legal while fresh, but um, illegal if you dried them. So um, we were selling fresh magic mushrooms. So they took a couple of people to court in Gloucester. I was actually a witness um, in the pre-trial hearing and the barrister there was trying to say that putting cooling packs and putting it into a bag was preparation and therefore it was illegal and i told the um, judge lady in this court um, how uh, i imported um, between 20 and 40 kilos of magic mushrooms a week and uh, we put cooling packs in them to keep them fresh and that occasionally they'd be opened by customs with a little note to say that um, They'd opened it up just to check that there was nothing illegal in there. So this and a couple of other people who gave evidence, the judge threw it out and said, um, well, no law has been broken in the first place. When was this again? I remember this, this period. This was uh, dis not last December, but the December before, so December 2004. Two days later, Caroline Flint, who was the uh, Blair's druggie minister, 
um, added an amendment onto the um, uh, drugs bill that was going through Parliament to make any form of fungi a Class A drug. Any form of fungi? No, any <laughs> that, contains, <laughs> that contains psilocin or psilocybin. Right, yep. Um, you can tell I'm not... You can tell I don't do many radio shows because I've left my phone on. <laughs> Okay, so um, so we wrote lots of lots of P. I put on the front of my website potsies.co.uk, Caroline Flint's address, and she got um, I know she got a lot of emails and a lot of letters uh, telling her why she shouldn't do this. Um, I sent some what I thought very intelligently and well-crafted letters, which um, were replied to about three months later with a standard government reply. Um, several members of the House of Lords spoke very intelligently, uh, Lord Mancroft was one of them, about why this should be removed. They, tried, they put in an amendment to try and get rid of it. Um, one of them even said uh, how his grandson had recently taken some and had a really good time. <laughs> then uh, 100 Labour MP, Labour backbenchers from the House of Lords who didn't attend the, the debate voted, to, um, voted down the amendment. And interestingly enough, Caroline Flint, the lady who said we have to ban mushrooms because they're dangerous, um, recently, as a health minister, told us all how safe aspartame is. And aspartame, there are plenty of studies that say aspartame clearly is not dangerous, and this is marketed very heavily at children. And the only reason aspartame for eight years um, was not given the go-ahead by the FDA, uh, but Donald Rumsfeld was the CEO of Cell Laboratories that, that invented aspartame and he funded Reagan's election campaign and uh, he, one of the first things Reagan did was replace the head of the FDA who then gave aspartame the go-ahead. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm going to remember this period of, of legal drugs, we'll talk a bit more about aspartame later on, but certainly this period of legal drugs because... Uh, I remember reading an article, I think it was either in the Evening Stand or the Daily Mail, written by this sort of middle-class female journalist, saying that the new thing that uh, young women were doing was having these kind of mushroom parties, having their friends around, and, and obviously having a, a great bonding experience. And, of course, not waking up the next day with a hangover. The whole process, of course, was cheaper. And you can imagine all the vested interest, once they started reading articles like that, the, you know, the, 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 the drinks industry, for example, would see a d diminishing of profits because people will not be going out and be taking magic mushrooms. And, of course, other people in things like the pharmaceuticals industry would be very worried about this because there are certain uh, medicinal properties to these mushrooms. And, of course, just in general, they didn't want people um, getting together and, uh, I think, expanding their consciousness like that. I think you're dead right. And also, um, people were starting to ask, well, if magic mushrooms have been sold perfectly safely for the last three or four years, well, why can't we buy cannabis or like they can in Holland? Don't they? Yeah. Um, when the drug laws really are, um, you know, a disgrace. I mean, it all started with, you know, misinformation in 1925, particularly with regard to, to cannabis. It was banned by uh, an international uh, treaty. Um, and of course, we know that in the US, we were saying the other week, it was banned by the, the Marijuana Tax Act. It may effectively made it too difficult, too expensive to grow the stuff profitably. Um, but we say that, that in the 20th century, obviously, that, that meant that a certain type of capitalism took over and our, our, our country was ruined, polluted uh, and so on. So, I mean, you know, the whole of this policy hasn't worked. It's, it's, all it's done is lead to an increase in, in taking drugs. It's also led to an increase in people taking more dangerous drugs because they're cut mm -hmm. and so on. And they don't really address the issue of heart. I mean, Jimmy Carter said that, you know, the penalty for possessing drugs shouldn't be uh, more harmful to the individual than taking that drug. Because these laws are supposed to be passed to protect the individual. Mm -hmm. And, of course, clearly they don't. It's actually a way of, um, you know, vested interest making enormous profits. And, obviously, clearly 
Uh, we know now from the Iran-Contra issue in the 80s that, that uh, the secret services uh, used drugs and sting operations and so on uh, to fund their black operations mm -hmm. and their false flag terrorism, basically. Yes. But one of the things that does come out of this, of course, you're saying that mushrooms are safe. How do we know that? Well, there's several reports done on this. The Dutch government had a report called uh, the CAM study, which I actually personally paid for to be uh, translated into English. There's another report by uh, Professor Felix, Felix Hasler from Switzerland, uh, which concludes that mushrooms are, uh, are predominantly, well, they're, they're safe. Um, I've got it in front of me. Our study provided no cause for concern that psilocybin is hazarded with respect to somatic health. Now, I sent these to Caroline Flint, the minister who was banning mushrooms, and a few months later, she totally misquoted these. She finding like one sentence in each report to totally misrepresented to explain that, that she'd actually read these reports and then after reading them decided that she had to ban them, <laughs> whereas the Dutch... The, had read these reports and uh, decided that it was better um, kept in a safe, controlled, taxed environment. And one of the things, of course, is that, that people will take magic mushrooms rather than taking things perhaps like uh, ecstasy. And of course, yeah. again, the illegal drug trade is making a lot of money out of that. The New World Order is making money out of that. Um, but also, of course, ecstasy does have some dangers. It's not, I'm not yeah. saying it's necessarily a dangerous drug, but certainly magic mushrooms, as far as I understand, don't even have those dangers at all, do they? There's minimal, minimal risk. The worst thing you could have is that if you take too many, you could have, perhaps have an unpleasant trip, in which we drink some coffee, wait for it to wear off, and get over it, and hopefully learn something from that. And unlike alcohol, if um, how many times have we had too much alcohol and woken up in the bath um, swearing never again, <laughs> only to be in the pub the following night? Whereas with mushrooms, if you, you tend to not want to do them on a regular basis. Yeah, there's a kind of law of diminishing returns about them, really, isn't it, in terms of the effects. But um, Dr. Holbert said, you do, I mean, do you agree with that, that, that mushrooms are, generally speaking, safe? Would that be a, a sound medical advice? Yeah, reading this report, it's, it's very, very clear, and they've clearly just completely ignored it, and they've just gone ahead and legislated uh, because of their own agenda, irrespective of the facts that are, that are blatant. Right, and uh, to compare this, say, to, uh, to other forms of, of medicine, because there is risk, obviously, in taking any substance. We always see the headlines about people dying from ecstasy, but about, I think it's about 10 people a year die in this country from ecstasy, and yet, well, I mean, what would the figures be comparable, say, for alcohol and tobacco? Well, that's frightening, really. I mean, 30,000 people die a year from lung cancer, and 30,000 people die a year from chronic bronchitis in this country, and a lot of that is related to smoking. And, you know, alcohol is uh, accountable for, for all manner of atrocities, really, in our culture. Um, I, I'm a, I have a police uh, a woman who's, who comes to me for acupuncture treatment, and she says 90% of the crimes that they're dealing with in Torquay are alcohol-related, domestic violence, uh, violence in, 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 on the streets. It's all fueled by alcohol, and the amount of damage that that does to, to families and culture um, is completely immeasurable. And the great problem, of course, is, is that, you know, with, with all these things, we're not saying, obviously, with alcohol, we want to ban it because we've seen the problems with prohibition. And of course, uh, the prohibition of heroin is, is one of the most uh, troubling things in our society because, obviously, I mean, heroin was licensed, wasn't it? You could, you could prescribe heroin up until the Misuse of Drugs Act in 71, I think that's right, is that? Yep, that's true. Um, but, of course, they're just flooding the market with it now. There's more heroin coming out of Afghanistan now that they're in there than there was ever before. And, I mean, that's no coincidence. And they use it to... Uh, to, to disaffect young young people in, in, in difficult circumstances. It's 
Uh, and this was one of the reasons why he actually went in to tackle the Taliban, wasn't it? Because they were actually stopping the cultivation of the poppy yeah. uh, and stopping the drugs trade. And, and obviously, you know, the powers that be couldn't allow that because they're making so much money from it. Yes, please, anyone, go to Google, type CIA whistleblower and drugs and see what you find. What do you find? Just to give us a quick summary of that. <laughs> Stuff about, well, Gary Webb's book. Yeah. You'll just find a whole whole wealth of information on how the CIA are involved with um, controlling the illegal drugs trade. Yeah, and I think uh, Mike Ruppert touches on that in Crossing the Rubicon, doesn't it? He's an ex-LAPD uh, cop. Uh, he's also written stuff about 9-11, but he certainly says, you know, this, this is how all this drug stuff is controlled. And, of course, the intelligence services themselves, um, you say they, they, we know, I know from personal experience of being in the service, how sting operations work. You know, they, they would either... Um, offer uh, dealers um, either arms or drugs, they would receive the money and then hand over duds. Uh, but of course, the, th the thing about this money was that rather than being put back into the public purse, it just seemed to disappear clearly into the pockets of private individuals. So on the back of uh, your taxes, people are making uh, money from crime, essentially. Now, obviously, I agree that, you know, drugs should be taken out of the hands of dealers and arms should not be in the hands of dangerous people. But if we are going to make money from that, it should be put back into the public purse and should perhaps go towards... Uh, funding the intelligence services rather than these people uh, asking for money off us all the time just to make us less free, basically. Um, so, yeah, so, so magic mushrooms are completely safe. But we were talking also... Um, I uh, wouldn't say they're completely safe. Right, OK. We're going no, I think that if you, you know, if you take the magic mushrooms in the wrong circumstances, you can definitely find yourself in trouble. If, and uh, if you take too high a dose, uh, you can find yourself in a state that you can actually hardly move. And uh, sometimes it takes a little while for those magic mushrooms to come on. So say, for example, you ate a magic mushroom chocolate, looked quite harmless, decided that actually it wasn't that strong and you want to go for a walk. You could walk off into the, into the forest or something and then it would come on really strong and you wouldn't be able to get back. Um, so, you know, um, you need to be quite conscious uh, of uh, all sorts of circumstances. So, I mean, they have a, you know, a dangerous aspect. You know. The government's own website, Talk to Frank, says the most dangerous thing about magic mushrooms is picking and uh, potentially eating a poisonous one in the wild. Um, which was also mentioned in the CAM report as a reason why not to ban them. Well, exactly. I mean, this is the, this is the argument made, isn't it? I mean, if you if you are going to get people going to go out there and do these things anyway, and all history shows that people want to take consciousness-altering substances, they will. You know, certain people will want to do that. And it makes much more sense that they are given something that's put in packaging that they know what it is rather than going picking things that might be dangerous and might poison mm -hmm. them, basically. And with some guidance but, on maybe mm. dosage. Absolutely. One thing I found very interesting that you mentioned the other day, though, Chris, which I would like to get out to the listeners, is that it was the Dutch report, the guy, the scientist who prepared it, said he was prepared to come to this country and give evidence yeah, to the government. That was the Hasler report. I phoned him up and spoke to Professor Hasler in Switzerland and said um, the British government minister who's banning mushrooms is using your report, Senate. And um, he said, well, I will fly over to England and, and meet her. So I wrote to Caroline Flint and said, do you want to meet this guy? Cause, and he said that he would be very upset if the British government were misrepresenting his report in such a way, which is, of course, they were. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And again, this just makes a, a mockery of all, uh, well, one of scientific research, two of um, you know, due processing governments. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, ra you know, it raises issues about how they just simply select information. And we've seen the problems with this before in, for example, the Iraq war, in which clearly information or intelligence or whatever you want to call it was cherry-picked to give the effect that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. And that demonstrated to us, you know, what can go terribly wrong if government don't look at all the facts. 
And when we've got a scientist who wants to say, look, my research is being misrepresented by you wanting to give evidence to the government and they won't take it, that clearly shows us that the government is doing this uh, not for the reasons of our health or for good policy. They're doing it because certain powerful vested interests are making them do it, essentially. Absolutely. Uh, during the times of the mushrooms, uh, when they were being sold legal in Britain, uh, the number of the ecstasy usage and ecstasy deaths went down. And shortly after the ban, there was uh, an, an ecstasy death. I, I remember it quite clearly. And uh, But recently, they, we've been importing these pills from New Zealand, which contain something called BZP. And they say over 25 million have been consumed and not one death. And guess what the government are trying to do <laughs> at the moment? They're trying to stop in it. It's almost as if they want to have a high-profile young person dying to put on the front of the newspapers to justify their policies and scare everybody? Well, I think they do. I think that's, you know, I'm not at all, you know, surprised that, that that's the case. I mean, this is how they work. I mean, the death of, you know, one young person from a dodgy pill is the least of their concerns. I mean, clearly these people, if they're prepared to murder 3,000 people in downtown New York in broad daylight, bumping one, you know, making the most out of some person's death from an XT tablet, it's not, you know, nothing to them, really. Uh, many of these deaths are caused either by misinformation or the fact that there's impurities in it. Uh, up until 1985, you could legally buy MDMA in America and there wasn't one reported death from it. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is it. And I say the, the, the legalisation of drugs is, is what essentially uh, makes them more dangerous. But talking about that, obviously, we say, you know, the, the uh, scientific research shows that mushrooms you know, appear to be generally safe. You obviously, you know, try and take them with other people and, and so on. You can't actually take them in this country, but if you are in Holland where they were legal, you would recommend that you try and take them uh, with, other, with other people and so on and, and don't perhaps go out if you're not sure what's going to happen. Now for some music. This track's been chosen by Chris. So what's it called and why did you choose it? It's called Light Flight and it's by a band called Pentangle who, um, when I was a kid, I used to live next door to John Remborn, who's the uh, lead guitar player in Pentangle and even managed to get a few guitar lessons out of him and uh, they're a really great band and this is a great track. Right, it's Pentangle.
Um, but there's one thing we say, we were mentioning earlier on, was about aspartame or aspartame, we call it in this country, which is the, the sweetener that's used in things like NutraSweet and uh, Pepsi Max and the new Coke Zero and so on. Uh, now, Dr. Hopper, this, is, this stuff is known to be quite dangerous, isn't it? Very toxic and really very unhelpful. Well, tell, tell us I mean, what it does to you, what the risk is from it, and what, or what the experience has been for people using it. Well, they, they, they get surprisingly addicted to it without really realising that that's what's going on. So they find themselves having to have another Diet Coke and, and having to have chewing gum that's got aspartamine in. And, uh, you know, it becomes, uh, and if they don't, they start to get sweaty and start to feel sick and, and start to feel unwell. So, they, so therefore they consume this on a regular basis to keep those, those sorts of symptoms away. And I'm right in thinking that people have died from actually using very little of it as well. I mean... Well, yeah, a lot of these toxic chemicals people can have specific sort of allergic reactions to, and, you know, some people uh, it really does hit, hit the spot, and, and it's very, very, very toxic. But even if you've been drinking it for a number of years, there is a kind of accumulative effect, I understand, as well, yeah? Yeah, it's just sort of numbing of consciousness in a way. It really um, it's just builds levels of toxicity in the body that exacerbates inflammation and degeneration, and if there's any other patterns of disharmony in the body then then they'll be sort of exacerbated by this sort of toxic chemical that's uh, coursing around your system constantly yeah because i've done this problem with my brother actually i mean he, he drinks a lot of diet coke and i was going to the football one day he's telling me about having night sweats and these terrible headaches and things and i said to him look i've, I've seen this stuff because i've seen um a documentary called uh, sweet misery which i think is available from 911 truthbristolcom amongst other places uh, and this does look at the whole the whole issue uh, of aspartame, and it, and what the symptoms he was describing appeared to be from his drinking of, of diet coke. So anyway, I've sent him a DVD, and hopefully, he'll watch it. But you want to um, say something? As, as a parent, so recently I took my kid over to Paynton with Tristan, um, Ian's son, for to play in the ballpark, and then um, Dylan wanted one of these Robinsons fruit shoots, which I point blank refused to buy him because I knew that it had aspartame in it. He then throws an absolute fit. Um, wouldn't eat his um, fish and chips that I bought him and this stuff is marketed at children and the lady who said it was safe recently in the House of Commons was Caroline Flint who says that the adult population of Britain cannot expand their consciousness by eating a safe non-toxic psilocybin mushroom which in the report that came out a couple of weeks ago uh, um, uh, which basically said the drug classifications is um, is a nonsense. Uh, mushrooms wasn't even on the radar. It wasn't even in the top 20. I think alcohol and tobacco were, were number four and five. But even the Science and Technology Committee absolutely slated the government for making it a Class A drug, but this government doesn't listen to its own MPs. Yeah, we should remind people, what are, what are the actual penalties for Class A's? I mean, it's an extraordinary amount. Life imprisonment is isn't the maximum penalty for giving someone a mushroom. That is, and it's just extraordinary, isn't it? Life imprisonment, which is the same penalty, of course, for, for murder. Um, and again, you, know, you, you really couldn't make this stuff up, really. But what you can see is a very clear pattern emerges. If there is powerful big business and vested interest with good connections, like people like... Donald Rumsfeld's trying to get something through. No matter how dangerous it is, it will get through. And I seem to remember as well from this film that there was... Uh, the company had actually done their own research and they knew that people had died from taking aspartame. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, there's all the researchers out there on Google. And uh, basically, they, you know, they actually hid this research from the Federal Drug Administration. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah so according to what I've read... And so, so again, this is what they do, you know, powerful vested interests hide the research and then, you know, some, either bribe or bulldoze things through um, government when they can make a big profit out of something that's got a patent. But of course, clearly magic mushrooms grow naturally, 
no one's ever going to be able to make big bucks out of it uh, on the scale of big business because there's nothing there they can patent. Um, so this is clearly uh, how government's working. Go government is beholden to uh, big business. And when they try to tell us that they're trying to look after us, uh, they're really not trying to look after us at all. They're trying to make us uh, guinea pigs for various tests of, of the new world order, basically. And Caroline Flint was saying that you can get magic, uh, you can get flashbacks from magic mushrooms. That it's absolute tosh. It's scientifically proven that you do not get flashbacks from psilocybin. They think possibly it can happen with LSD, but it's very rare and yeah. only lasts a few seconds. Yeah. Um, but you cannot get uh, uh, flashbacks from psilocybin. But that uh, woman stood up in the House of Commons and told everybody that was one of the reasons they were banning them because they can give frightening flashbacks. So a lie. <laughs> So what are you actually doing now with the mushrooms? I understand you are trying to, or thinking about taking some kind of challenge. Well, um, according to uh, European law, you cannot just ban something uh, within the customs union. And because they'd already been given the go-ahead in um, in Holland as a as a legal, uh, it's classified as a vegetable, but it's a legal uh, product in Holland. They recently court rulings have uh, deemed them legal in Austria and Germany. They're also sold a lot in uh, Spain and uh, in theory just like um, you couldn't ban English apples from being imported into Holland the theory is that you can't ban magic mushrooms and this remember the government is the Home Office issued a letter saying it was perfectly legal to sell magic mushrooms and then uh, under the set under the directions of Tony Blair they had a policy change so what, uh, do you think, be, I mean, I'm just wondering with these things, is it worth challenging by, I mean, would somebody... Be... We actually raised uh, about 25 grand and we've employed uh, some barristers who worked at um, reduced rates. Um, if their reduced rates was £200 an hour, I'd dread to think what their, <laughs> what their ordinary rates were. But we, we had a case ready, but then they, the advice was is that if you lose this, you could get stung for the... Um, government's costs and then either have to pay them or declare bankruptcy. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a problem I've been faced. It's not so much they want to get compensation, it's just that they just run a massive legal cost yeah. knowing that you've got to pay that. And of course, with the yeah. state, these legal costs are a drop in the ocean for any yes. individual. It's a, it's a small yeah. fortune. You're going to they're, risk your house and everything. They're spending our money to abuse our rights. So, I mean, do you think it'd be worth doing a test thing? In, I mean, what would happen, for example, if I was to walk back in here from Amsterdam with a, with a bag full of mushrooms? I mean, and I got arrested. Would I be able to well, make a challenge? It's interesting uh, whether they were listening to the um, conversation with the barrister, who was a guy called, I think it was called Alan Newman QC, and uh, he said that as soon as someone's arrested and prosecuted, then we could use that as a defence, and so far nobody's actually been prosecuted. Now it's interesting, because this is one of the things they do as well, don't they? They make these things illegal, but then because they're unworkable laws, they don't actually enforce them when, unless they need to for another reason. So you can guarantee if, if it was someone like me, they would try and go for it, because it would make my life more difficult. But I think it would be an interesting test, of course, because I have no money, so I could actually claim legal aid. And so no matter how many costs I run up, the, the legal aid people would meet them. So that might be another way of doing it, I don't know. Be my guest. <laughs> no, well, you know, we think we've got to do these things. It's like, you know, free. Spend all your time in court, then. <laughs> well, I just spend a lot of time in court anyway. And, uh, you know, free Rob Cannabis was going to make this point last week, really, that, you know, you've got to, you've got to throw yourself in there and challenge them because it's a war of attrition in a sense. Because if we can use up enough of their court time and cost them enough money doing the prosecutions of people for possession of mushrooms or cannabis or whatever, the courts aren't going to be able to process people for serious crimes. And so, in a sense, just from the sheer uh, volume of what's going on, we can we can kind of win a war of attrition, you know. Mm -hmm.
Well, the Dutch growers have already made a complaint to the European Commission, which is going through, but surprise, surprise, it's taking ages. Well, surprise me. There's a guy called Casey Hardison who recently got 20 years for production of LSD. Um, one gram of LSD is enough for three or 400,000 people, I think. So they said when they prosecuted him, that's what they did him for supply, even <laughs> though he was just making it as a, as a hobby. To supply to 300,000 people. Um, he, was in, <laughs> he, he was an American. He did his own defence, didn't, didn't employ any uh, barristers or solicitors, and told the judge, um, I'm not doing anything wrong, I should be allowed to do this, said the judge didn't agree and gave him 20 years. But he's now um, studying law in, in uh, prison and taking on the government, so, uh, the whole Misuse of Drugs Act, uh, as um, the whole drugs law is an abuse of the European uh, Convention on Human Rights. Yeah, I think certain people tried to do that, um, certainly with cannabis. I know Rastafarians had tried to argue in court um, that it was part of their religious ritual and therefore they should be entitled to do it under the um, articles governing freedom of religion, but they got nowhere in this country. I don't think they're probably going to get anywhere in Europe with it. Um, yeah. But, but certainly, I mean, you know, you could argue that according to medical research, it makes no sense to society to be say to be promoting a drug that makes people, um, you know, violent and and so on, like alcohol, and then for them to be banning something mm -hmm. that does exactly the opposite. Well, the Dutch ayahuasca church was raided by the Dutch police, had their ayahuasca confiscated, and um, the, eventually the highest court in the Netherlands ruled that they weren't breaking the law, and their ayahuasca was returned, and they were compensated. But that's Holland. That's not Holland, that's yes, different. Not the, yes, UK. Yes, not, not the UK. They've got an independent judiciary over there. Just explain what ayahuasca is for people who haven't heard of it. Ayahuasca is uh, something um, that you make a, a tea of um, using uh, a plant called Chacruna and, uh, and Banastrophus carpi. I think it's pronounced like that. And it's uh, known as ayahuasca or yage, and it's used by uh, the shamans, particularly in South America, in Pre Peru and Brazil, and brings on uh, quite intense visions and uh, visits from the spirit world. Quite interesting stuff. Now, if you say visits from the spirit world, a lot of people might find that kind of uh, a bit unbelievable. Well, these people claim that they can actually... Uh, been made better because they will take ayahuasca or the shaman would take it and then uh, they would see visions from the plants that would tell them how to cure themselves. Mm. Well it's quite quite clear from medical research and it has been established for a long time that we only use about three or five percent of our of our brain of our mental mental faculties and all these things are is just uh, gateways to open up temporary functioning of other, other aspects of our, of our brain which, which allows us to function on different levels of consciousness and this is quite normal. Yeah, the research I've seen on ayahuasca shows that um, no matter what culture you come from, you could come from California or you could come from a mud hut in Africa, but you still have the same sort of visions in the same sequence. So this would rather suggest that this is not something uh, in our personal consciousness but is in some part of the universe that we can't really decrypt with our brain that only decrypts the, the dimensions we can we can see and relate to and so on mm. um but that's you know a fascinating idea and i mean i've talked to people who've both taken ayahuasca who certainly you know say the, the spirits do come and you can feel it it's like it's like being uh, in, a, in a in a physical world, a different physical world, but nevertheless physical. It's not something uh, yeah. within your own head, basically. Yeah, it's like being awake whilst dreaming, and and you really do get to engage on another level of reality. You sort of go beyond the matrix, as you might say. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one way of looking at it. Well, you know, current science does suggest that you know this that this might be a matrix. This could be a computer program. This isn't one of those sort of wild and wacky ideas. Now it's been put out there as current scientific thinking that um, you know, and in the way our brain works, is it decrypts 
only these things. This is what makes things in this dimension solid and so when we touch them of course we know they're not solid because they're made of yeah. tiny particles that are held together by different levels of attraction so they're anything but solid yeah. but we feel them as solid in this dimension obviously we go beyond um, decrypting this dimension decrypt others we see a different world that's just as physical but uh, we can't see at the moment no you really can you can you can see that things are made of light basically you can actually and realize that the energy in your body the chi that flows around is is light and you can feel and sense and connect with that reality definitely under the influence of these things it's a very constructive experience that shouldn't be denied people it's very healing so chris do you sell ayahuasca we sell um the ingredients to make the tea of ayahuasca we sell the chacruna leaf and the carpi mm. And the active uh, ingredient is a chemical called DMT, which is in our body naturally anyway, so we could all, that's now a class A drug, so <laughs> we could all be arrested for the impossession yeah, and DMT. You can't actually find DMT in the ayahuasca. It's a, if they actually analyse it, there's nothing there. Well, this is what's really interesting. Though. Apparently what happens is that our bodies produce DMT naturally, and what the ayahuasca does is rather than put the DMT into our system, it actually stops what stops no, our bodies overdosing on, on DMT essentially so that, that's yeah. removed so we get what's effectively a natural overdose of DMT and this the, so appears to make our brains work on different frequencies so we can see it into, into what you want to call it the spirit world the other dimensions or whatever yeah, you say DMT is released into your yeah. body when you die yeah well that's, that's the fascinating bit yeah yeah exactly um, and yeah yeah it's, it's, it's fascinating that apparently it's at birth and death this stuff is, is released the most and obviously when you take these things and I read things as well suggesting that apparently some people's uh, memories of alien abduction may be to do with an, a natural overproduction of, of DMT, basically. And this is why they can uh, recall these experiences um, so vividly. Because um, it's not like an hallucination, from what I can gather. It's, it's literally like, say, being in another world, basically. Um, so essentially we're talking about a lot of things here that expand consciousness and so on that are either legal i mean obviously ayahuasca is still legal in this country as far as i'm aware well it's not yet been made illegal yeah, so yeah, yeah, so the ingredients are certainly and there's plenty of the fly agaric mushroom which is actually mildly poisonous is still available uh you could buy uh peyote cacti uh dried um peruvianus cacti boil it up for 20 minutes and uh have a mescaline experience which in some ways is actually nicer than um, the mushroom experience it's a bit more mellow all at potseeds.co.uk yes you've got to get the plug in for your site chris yeah <laughs> well the the the, um, the cacti is sold purely as ornaments or botanical specimens right okay that's yeah. fine that's fine that's good yes <laughs> and we sell edible mushroom kits and uh add psilocybin spores for research um, purposes but obviously you shouldn't use them in conjunction no, no, and no, you no, could take no. them to holland germany and austria and use these kits to grow yeah. psilocybin mushrooms yeah. but please don't do that in this country no no, no. We, we wouldn't i couldn't obviously recommend anybody there's anything illegal in this country no. could be caroline flint knows best yes perhaps we could do if all the listeners could actually write to caroline flint and point out to her that there is a report saying that mushrooms are safe that she's misread and that in fact aspartame is in fact extremely dangerous i mean perhaps we should all yeah. send copies of sweet misery to her and say why haven't you seen this why don't you know about this because mm -hmm. i mean you know she's making a decision which is killing people you know and she really should have that on her conscience she shouldn't be making these decisions uh, for the benefit of big business and, and think that she can settle her own conscience by denying that people are dying as a result of this stuff. Yeah. Well, she's no longer the druggy minister. Blair's new druggy minister is called Mr. Coker. I'm not <laughs> making that up. He's called Mr. Coker. Mr. Coker. And I'm sure he does. Yes, I'm sure he does, yes. <laughs> and we were talking a bit about, say, about these um, kind of psychoactive drugs and obviously some of the substances that we are being um, subjected to now. I mean, there's a whole variety of uh, additives that are in our food, which I understand in quite a lot of cases aren't even adequately tested and so on. 
And there was also a kind of danger to our health from, in a sense, from conventional medicine. I've heard that the fifth highest uh, cause of death is, in fact, to do with doctors and conventional medicine. Is that right? Yeah, iatrogenic death, it's called, uh, just so that people don't know what it is when it's mentioned. And, uh, yeah, it's the fifth most common cause of death in this country, and that is a direct result of doctors, either medicine or surgical intervention that's inappropriate, where it actually goes wrong. And um, along with that, uh, statistics recently announced... Um, said that there were 40,000 uh, cases of either inappropriate drug prescription or inappropriate dosage um, in the last year alone. And they said, but only 3,000 people were severely affected by these mistakes. Other people were um, recoverable, but that's obviously by their statistics. And, uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Western <laughs> medicine is uh, far from safe. So as a doctor as well, I mean, what, what do you think of these various new things that are always marketed to as to as, as, as wonder drugs. I'm talking about things like Prozac and Siroxat here. Mm. What do you think of those? Well, they're, they're, they're the same as the same as Western medicine has always done. It they, they've produced um, highly refined chemical things that, that that block specific channels and receptors, and they're basically antis that anti hypertensives or antibiotics or anti-inflammatories and and. And they they don't support the body in in helping itself. They don't they don't uh, put input into the body that allows the body to find its own way of, of finding its own balance. And and the fact that they these chemicals uh, you know act so quickly and um, uh, they are very toxic. They they actually de depress the body's capacity to sort itself out. And uh, the more you take them, the more the body's capacity is suppressed. And you become dependent on them and need to take them in the long term, which makes you further toxic and, and brings in other problems, but of course makes uh, large amounts of money for the uh, multinational pharmaceutical corporations. So in a sense, it's, you know, because because these people are making massive profits out of this, what they don't actually want is to create a substance that cures you. What they want is to create a, almost like a constant sticking plaster that you need to keep replacing. And so they have a, they almost have like a service contract built into it, if you like. Absolutely, yeah. But unfortunately, you know, it's it's not that it just doesn't support. Actually, it's detrimental. So you know, you, you, it actually accumulates increased disease, which you know. Um, and there are enormous side effects of, of these drugs, aren't yeah, there? I mean, could you talk about those a bit? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of things, but it just basically, uh, a lot of them just slow people down, so they don't the 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 electricity and the light and the energy in their body is is no longer, you know, the light bulb is not is not so turned up. It it affects you know vitality and mental acuity and you know emotional sensitivity and you know affects our functioning on all all levels really. And uh, you know, for people to take these toxic chemicals long term is, is very depressing. But that's, you know, it seems to be what what they want, you know, that uh, through the food and through the medicine, you know, it just toxifies and, and uh, diminishes people's uh, awareness and consciousness. I find the irony of this as well is that, uh, you know, a lot of people get depressed due to the kind of, of, of the modern lifestyle, the fact they have no power over their bosses, they're, they're being mm. worked into the ground and so on. And it's almost like... You know, the, the, the way capitalism presents this is, is you have this problem and look, we're helping you, you to deal with it. When in fact, modern capitalism is creating the problem and not actually helping you to deal with it. It's actually creating a sticking plaster that kind of, say, suppresses some of the symptoms but doesn't actually deal with the root cause. Yeah, Millions absolutely. of these things are being prescribed every week. But interestingly enough, anything that's herbal, um, they quite, that is effective as an antidepressant. A good example is Carver Carver. Um, well, that was banned recently, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not a, not not illegal to possess, but they made it illegal to to sell because they put it under the Medicines Act. And uh, the only reason I can think why they did this is because it was such an effective um, alternative to uh, prescribed antidepressants. Mm -hmm. I actually know someone who managed to get off Valium by taking Carver Carver, right. and he was most annoyed when it got uh, when it got banned. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the problem as well with, um, I mean, a lot of the psychedelics as well, don't they, are, are a way of dealing with um, addictions. And with this thing we talk about ayahuasca as well, it has properties to be able to deal with um, addiction and so on, is that right? Absolutely, and aboga is another one that um, uh, is, is very good at this. The only known cure for heroin, it's, uh, and that's taken uh, from, it's an African uh, chemical, it's a, it's a root, isn't it, that they, that they boil up and eat. Um, Ibocaine, I think, is the, is the derivative. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, and, that, so that's, and in fact, the only way of dealing with, with addiction is to be able to use these things, and yet, so why, why do we think then that, that, that doctors in the NHS are not, are not prescribing these things? Yeah. Well, you know, it goes back, you know, they've been uh, indoctrinated, basically, and that's what happens when you go to medical school, you, 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 you get a medical qualification, but you, become out, you come out the other side indoctrinated, and you get uh, hooked into the system, and, uh, you know, that's the point of view that, that you spout, and, but they don't seek to, to widen the doctor's perspectives, you know. Well, I mean, they, they're, they're always saying, you know, there's not enough research done into these things, you know, there's not enough research into acupuncture or osteopathy or, or you know, carva-carva, therefore, you know, we don't know anything about it, therefore we're going to ban it, you know, Professor Ernst at Exeter University, well, we don't know anything about these things, but might as well ban them anyway, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but they, they have, you know, the... the, the um, Pharmaceuticals and the government really should sponsor, um, you know, investigation into Chinese medicine, and and uh, but they don't, so they just put it down, and and it's, um, and but the doctors therefore don't get all the information that they require. Yeah, so essentially what we're doing is, well, I mean, um, and certainly other doctors have told me this, that there's a lot of pressure um, from sort of travelling reps from drug companies to get doctors to prescribe these drugs. Is that right? Well, there is, yeah. They they have these uh, they fill in questionnaires. Uh, they play about half an hour, and they get paid a hundred quid for filling in a questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just you know again, it's another form of bribery. It strikes me that you know capitalism, the only way it can succeed is either by bribing people or by uh, not giving them the the full facts. And uh, we know from, from many many things we've looked at that if you know most people in the street knew the full facts about these things, they would be horrified. Yeah. And certainly, I mean, the amount of money spent on, on developing these, these things like uh, Siroxat and Prozac, which are you know, kind of highly, you know, highly dangerous drugs, basically. Yeah. And the government have just shut down the guy who was selling Iboga, saying that it wasn't on the approved um, list of um, European herbs that could be sold. And this, this stuff apparently is the one most successful thing for treating heroin addiction. Heroin um, addiction and crime cost this country £16 billion a year. That is astounding. Where, where did you get that from? Do you remember that it's one? a well-documented figure. 16 billion. It wouldn't surprise me, though, when you think about all the crime that's committed by people trying to get their fix. And yeah. you say, if they could just cost. get that prescribed by a doctor yeah. at cost, it would be about, you know, uh, you know, I've heard something about as little as 10p, basically, but they buy the same amount for 10 quid, and that means they've got a nick of stereo. And, of course, when you buy when you nick something and sell it second hand, it's not worth very much. So, to, you know, you've got to keep nicking stuff, basically, and yeah. that's a lot of trouble. But with then the government can say, oh, you need ID cards, we need to build more prisons, we need so Yes. Okay, and a lot of research um, shows that, in fact, uh, people given um, placebos in these sort of blind tests uh, reports uh, improvements from depression or recovery from depression without actually uh, taking 
uh, any drugs like Prozac or Siroxat. So what do you think this says to us? Well, it obviously says uh, of the power of uh, positive thought. Um, people do have faith in their doctors and, and healers, and, and when, they, when they're given something and told that this is going to make them better and everything will be fine and, and they're filled with positive hope and intention, um, this creates you know, positive thought waves in the mind, and, and this is very constructive. I mean, the, the mind is a very powerful thing. I mean, you've only got to think uh, you know, what can happen physiologically if uh, you know, the, the thought of a beautiful woman passes through your mind. You, know, you do definitely get significant physiological changes and uh, this um, you know positive thought can produce uh, powerful changes and uh, you need to be encouraged to think positively and all meditation and spirituality you know puts a positive framework in people's minds that they can uh, they can build a, a positive structure to, to have a have a clear mental framework and it's important yeah it's like, cause quite a lot of the whole the, the problem is to do with mental things like stress isn't it I mean once you're once you're under stress uh, your mind goes and your body goes essentially. Absolutely, and uh, you know there's, there's all sorts of stresses that could be removed in our society that would enable people to function uh, more coherently. But um, it seems to be the other way at the moment. The government is uh, intentionally making lives very stressful for a lot of people. And I think that is about trying to undermine positive thought and therefore, uh, you know, good health and and uh, spiritual light in a sense is taking away the spiritual light absolutely and and it, and it really needs to be stopped so people really need to wake up to this and start to get into action it's no longer sufficient to just sit around and talk about it people need to actually stand up and start doing something and getting this information out there well that's what we're here for anyway time for some music you've uh, chosen a track for us yeah faithless weapons of mass destruction that's uh yeah, it's good to dance too, um, but if you really just uh, sit really still and listen to the words, it's got a very good message too. I think Faithless are an excellent band, and uh, it's really nice to see them uh, intermingling spirituality and politics uh, you know, with a really good dance beat. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do, really. So, uh, yes, Faithless with uh, Fear is a Weapon of Mass Destruction. Remember, conquer the fear, embrace the love. <laughs> Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're slow away, son, or BBC One, misinformation is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. My dad came into my room holding his hat. I knew he was leaving. He sat on my bed, told me some facts, son. I have but you keep calling on me You and your sister be brave, my little soldier And don't forget all I told you You're the mister of the house, now remember this And when you wake up in the morning, give your mama a kiss Then I had to say goodbye In the morning, woke mama with a kiss on each eyelid Even though I'm only a kid Certain things can't be hit Mama grabbed me, held me like I was made to go But left her in the stories untold I said, Mama, it'll be alright When Daddy comes home Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're solar waste song or BBC One, misinformation is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether Halliburton, Enron, or anyone greed is a weapon of mass destruction. We need to fight. Courage overcome 
action is a weapon of mass destruction in action is a weapon of mass destruction in action is a weapon of mass destruction Story stops here. Let's be clear, this scenario is happening everywhere. And you ain't going to Nirvana or Farvana. You coming right back here to live out your karma with even more drama than previously. <laughs> Seriously. Just how many centuries have we been waiting for someone else to make us free? <laughs> and we refuse to see. The people overseas suffer just like we Bad leadership and egos unfettered and free Feed on the people they're supposed to lead I don't need the people to pray and wait For the Lord to make it all straight There's only now, do it right Cause I don't want your daddy Leave your home tonight whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether your solar waste sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether Halliburton, Enron, or anyone greed is a weapon of mass destruction. We need to find. Courage, overcome inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. So, uh, I think that is a sort of, you know, coming into the, the show, I'd like to say, obviously, thank you to both of my guests um, for this. And basically to say that, you know, do go and check things out for yourself. Put these things into Google. Uh, go and get go and do your own research on it. I mean, this, I don't know, is this uh, thing about mushrooms available on your site? Is it? Uh, yeah, it's available on our site. That's and if it isn't, one, I'll make sure it's up there. And that's what's the site again? Potseeds.co.uk. Okay, brilliant. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so coming to the end of the program, I suppose what we take from all of this is that, uh, as I keep saying, is that the, the the agenda is clear on on several levels that they are that even doctors we can't trust they're going to give us things that stop us from being able to to think clearly stop us being able to um, activate ourselves spiritually and and this is going on on all levels it's going on in the ways of stopping us from expanding our consciousness by making substances which do expand our consciousness illegal uh, and also by using substances that they make legal that are clearly dangerous for us um, but once we start taking them, stop us from becoming spiritual people because our bodies are essentially poisoned. If our bodies are poisoned, we will never uh, be able to activate ourselves um, spiritually because we'll never be able to get that balance. Uh, one other thing I want to mention before I go is that the 9-11 Truth Movement are hosting a talk by David Ray Griffin, famously the author of New Pearl Harbor. In fact, I think the, the entry point for many people in 9-11 uh, is his book, um, and another book, of course, was the 9-11 Commission Report, Omissions and Distortions. Now, those two books together, I'd recommend to anybody who wants to know anything about 9-11. I say on my own personal odyssey, the new Pearl Harbor was a great uh, overview uh, of the issues around 9-11 and got me uh, looking at the whole issue in more detail. Anyway, he's giving a talk on the Saturday the 9th of September at the Conway Hall in Red Lion Square in London. Uh, tickets are 7.50, concessions £5 on the early bird, or from August 16th they will be £10, concessions £7.50. And if people want to find out any more information, it will be on the 911.co.uk site, which is N-I-N-E, 
E-L-E-V-E-N.co.uk. Okay, thank you very much for listening again. See you next week. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Good evening again. The CIA today weighed in on one of the issues Vice President Dick Cheney and Senator John Edwards spent time hotly debating last night in Cleveland. But first, standing by the White House, we have Suzanne Malveaux. Suzanne? Clay Anderson, today President Bush insisted that Saddam Hussein was a threat to the U.S. and to the world. It's the centerpiece of his re-election campaign. He made the right decision to go to war with Iraq and that he is the one he believes who's fit to be commander-in-chief for the war on terror. Man, you hear this bullshit they be talking? Every day, man, it's like these motherfuckers is just like professional liars, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. Listen. Bin Laden didn't blow up the projects. It was your nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Go stock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Go stock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Bin Laden didn't blow up the projects. It was your nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Go stock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Go stock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Go stock down the tower. Nigga, fuck the president's speeches. I'm baptized by America and covered in leeches. The dirty water that breaches your soul and your facial features. Drowning you with propaganda that they spit through the speakers. And if you speak about the evil that the government does, the Patriot Act attract you to the type of your blood. They try to frame you and say you was trying to sell drugs and throw a federal indictment on niggas to show you love. This shit is run by fake Christians, fake politicians. Look at their mansions and look at the conditions of living. All they talk about is terrorism on television. They tell you listen, but they don't really tell you they mission. They funded Al-Qaeda, and now they blame the Muslim religion. Even though Bin Laden was a CIA tactician, they gave him billions of dollars, and they funded his purpose. Fahrenheit 9-11, that's just scratching the surface. Come on, come on. Bin Laden didn't blow up the projects. It was your nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Go stock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Go stock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Bin Laden didn't blow up the projects. It was your nigga. Still fight for Saddam, but that's bullshit. I'll show you why it's totally wrong. Cause if another country invaded the hood tonight, it'll be warfare through Harlem and Washington Heights. I wouldn't be fighting for Bush or white America's dream. I'll be fighting for my people's survival and self-esteem. I wouldn't fight for racist churches from the South, my nigga. I'll be fighting to keep the occupation out, my nigga. You ever clock someone who talks shit for look at you wrong? Imagine if they shot at you and was raping your moms. And of course, Saddam Hussein had chemical weapons. We sold them that shit after Ronald Reagan's election. Mercenary contractors fighting a new era. Corporate military banking off the war on terror. They controlling the ghetto with the fear of attack. Trying to distract the fact that they engineering the crack. So I'm scrapped like Lee Malvo holding a sniper rifle. These bullets will touch your kids. And I don't mean like Mike when your body is sent to the morgue. Stripped down and recycled. I fire on house stickers that support you and like you. Cause innocent people get murdered in the struggle daily. And poor people never get shit to struggle daily. This ain't no alien conspiracy theory, this shit is real Written on a dollar underneath the Masonic seal I don't rap for dead presidents I'd rather see the president dead It's never been said, but I said precedence Bin Laden didn't blow up the projects It was your nigga, tell the truth nigga Some cowards fought with the 